0: Welcome back to the Book and Life Podcast. Today, we're going to have a brand new book guest on. Whether they're an author, an editor, a producer, you'll never quite know. So you're in for one hell of a ride. But today, I just have to uh, do the adverts. And then I'll get us straight into that most important conversation. And as, as we do every week, um, I'm going to read The Shadow which is part of the Time Guardian series, and this is book four from Marianne Curley. The battle is over, the war is won. The prophecy complete, but life can't just pick up where it left off for Ethan. Struggling to cope with tragic loss, at odds with friends in the guard, he finds himself adrift, jumping in shadows and sensing someone who can't possibly be there. Blaming herself for the goddess Athena's death, Giselle swears revenge to fullify the Immortals' plan for world domination. But Giselle hadn't planned on love, and that leaves her with an unbearable choice. Should she follow her heart or the strings of a goddess short on praise but high on expectation? Who continues to pull her from the grave? As the guard and the order battles through the past and into an impossible future, darkness looks round every corner. The fight for the world's survival rests with just one. Is it friend or foe who stands in the shadow? And just a reminder that The Price of Freedom by Rosemary Aiken, sorry, Rosemary Rowan, um, is being donated to the Ukraine refugee crisis. And here's the blurb for her book. It's uh, one of her roman british crime series which was written under her maiden name all editions can be found online where all books are sold even her agents donating her commission sorry i don't have the blurb for that but uh, that's that's what she's doing and now without further ado let's get you to the guests Okay.
1: So everyone, I'm super excited to introduce this guest. I've been working very hard to get him on because he's a fantastic man and he's also a very, very busy man. So without further ado, everyone, please welcome Jonathan Mayberry. Welcome to the
2: show. Hi, guys. Happy to be here, Crystal. Thank you.
1: Yeah. So I love your stuff. I'm a fan of V Wars. So tell us just what are you working on right now? What can everyone be excited about?
2: Yikes! Uh, I am actually in this phase of my career where I am knocking out a novel every three months. Wow! Um, so I had four books come out so far this year, and I've got a couple of anthologies coming out uh, next year. What I what I've been working on this year, what will be out next year, I did um, the third book in my epic fantasy series. It's, the series is called Kagan and the Damned, yeah. and third and final book, The Dragon in Winter. I I I wrote early this year. I also wrote a book called Necrotech, which is Wow. The first book in a brand new uh imprint of Blackstone Publishing. And for those listening who don't know what an imprint is, uh each publishing house is broken into divisions, each with their own publisher and their own kind of uh thematic goals. And um Blackstone, which is one of the the it's not the big five, but it's it's definitely a big publisher, uh started a new imprint called Weird Tales Presents, which you know comes off of the Weird Tales magazine that's uh, been around for a hundred years, which I also edit. Um, and this new imprint is going to be really dark, weird stories that are um, science fiction, fantasy, horror, mystery, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Mine is deep space cosmic horror. So uh, wow. it's a, the, the premise is fun. We, we, there's a space station where they're doing experiments on teleportation. Yeah. And it accidentally teleports the entire space station, 54,000 light years to the other side of the galaxy. Um oh dear! <laughs> You're never going to get back. And it turns out that creatures like Cthulhu and so on that came to Earth came to Earth to flee in fear of what was out there, and now we're out there. So, yeah. um, so that that'll be out uh, in early actually in May of next year. And it was a, such a fun book to write. Uh, I'm also doing the. I also did the first in the Sleepers War series. A uh, brand new science fiction series that I'm co-writing with Weston Oaks. Uh, that first book just came out. It was, I finished it early this year and it's already out. We were on a very tight timeline. I'll be, yeah, working, it out,
1: it. Yeah. I'll
2: be working on books two and three. And um, the other two books that came out are also tied to other series. One is Cave 13, which is the latest in my ongoing Joe Ledger series. And I'll be writing, actually, I am writing now the 14th book, which will be out next August, I'm thinking. Um wow. So the new one's Cave 13, and it's really weird, and it's weird science action, a lot of snarky humor, um, and uh, I do deep research on a lot of different topics and have a lot of fun with it. And then I also have a a new anthology, a new collection out called Long Past Midnight, which is short stories tied to my um, first three novels, the the Pine Deep trilogy, which are small-town horror, um, not science fiction, small-town horror uh, set in the suburbs of Pennsylvania, of, of Philadelphia in Pennsylvania. Oh, wow. So my, those are the products I'm working on. I, I have, uh, uh, you know, since I write mostly series each, you know, right now I'm doing a new book in each series to kind of nudge that along and having a blast. I'm also editing anthologies. And I I have some new anthologies coming up like in the next few months, I have the weird tales, um, a hundred years of weird, which is an anthology that collects, some reprint stuff from Weird Tales, you know, stories by Ray Bradford yeah. Brad Matheson, Isaac Asimov, even believe it or not, the, the, the playwright Tennessee Williams had written for Weird Tales. So it has a bunch of those, plus brand new stories by um R. L. Stein, who created Goosebumps, and Laurel K. Hamilton, who did Anita Blake, and just tons of stuff. That'll be out. I have a Weird West anthology coming out in November called um, or December rather, called Um the good, the bad, and the uncanny tales of a very weird west. So it's kind of like yeah. magic stuff set in the old west. And then I have um, Joe Ledger Unbreakable, a collection of short stories set in by Joe Ledger World that are and what I did is I brought in friends of mine who are writers to write stories. So we've mm-hmm. got Scott Sigler and Peter Kleins and you know, all these, these top, you know, horror science fiction writers and also the actor comedian Wayne Brady. Who, wow, you know, who happens to be a big fan of the books. And um, he, yeah. uh, uh, he he collaborated with Maurice Broadus, who's an Afro-futurist writer, to do one of the stories. So it's going to be fantastic. Um,
1: it sounds so, like a hell of a run.
2: Yeah, and, and I've got a bunch of other projects, some of which are under non-disclosure agreement, so I can't talk about them. But they're tied to either video games or pop, uh, an upcoming TV series that I can't talk about because of the strike.
1: Oh no! I, of course, yeah. Because I mean, the strike is is insane right now. I think it's affecting everybody, and especially I can definitely say that because I'm signed to do stuff, and and I can't even talk about it. And I'm like, well, this yep. is annoying. You know, as a podcaster, this is really annoying. So yeah, yeah I in, get it.
2: In fact, we were working. Uh, one of the projects we were working on was a, a horror show that that might be set in Scotland, but oh, I wow. can't. Tell you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I got a bunch of things. And the one thing I can talk about, because uh, this was in in open development before the, the, the strike, yeah. is Ian Summerholder, who started my show V-Wars, he and I and another, uh, another writer who I can't yet name because of the strike, um, yep. we're all working on a new version of V-Wars. And that oh, will wow. take several years later, be much darker and grittier, and um, it will... dig in deeper on the issues of racism and intolerance and there are big factors in the book series that weren't covered as much in the one season we had on Netflix
1: yeah I, I saw that and I kind of felt for him because he had done so well with vampire diaries and then to see him I always say it was like flourish and go into this sort of more adulted Kind of character. I thought it was amazing to see him transform in, into something like that. And I respect his—he's got such a creative eye, and there's not many people out there that do have
2: that. He he does, and he's been involved in all of our creative discussions. And he's a good friend, and and he's he's rewarding to know because he's also a good human being. He and his wife Nikki are philanthropists and and yeah, uh, you know, climate activists and animal activists. They're wonderful, and he's very very smart one of the things people don't know about ian is that he also produces a lot of things he's uh he directed some of V wars but he also produced uh, this really brilliant uh documentary called kiss the ground which is all about reclaiming farmed out soil and <clears throat> woody hudson was the narrator for it and ian was a producer on that and uh you know that's the sort of stuff he does that that doesn't get him the uh in the glam magazine pages but he's out there doing good in the world, too. So I, I love I love the guy. I love working with him.
1: I, I think he's amazing because when, you know, I I come from a very tiny island in the middle of nowhere where nobody actually knows us. Um, but we've done sort of like, we had the film called The Edge of the World was filmed here. And when I came to write what I'm writing, the only person I could imagine in that series was him just because of the the fact that it was, going from being a viking to then having to be a normal everyday person and then going back and forth and i'm like there's so many few people out there that can do that he's one of them and i was just he stuck with my head the entire time i was writing it and i thought he would get such a kick out of that just the idea of jumping from being a viking and sort of like beating somebody up to the next minute being like i'm getting chased by a really angry girl (laughs) <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I, I always thought I loved his humor, and I thought, I think he's incredible. And I'm very sad that I'm not going to see him at the Comic-Con this year, so.
2: Yeah, yeah, he's uh, with the actor strike and so on, a lot of them are not appearing anywhere um, Yeah. Uh, because that would support the the industry, but not the actors who work within the industry. Um, yeah. And it's funny, because we, we had uh, San Diego Comic-Con here a few months ago. Uh, I live in San Diego. Yeah. And um, none of the actors were there except a couple that came just to walk around as like conventioners, going to the viewers yeah. the, the room and so on but uh, it, it's a shame because a lot of the writers uh, couldn't be there and even those who could couldn't actually talk about their shows they couldn't even name their shows if they're on panels it's very yeah. weird the upside and it was a small you know, look for upsides when you can find them is yeah. that it actually turned Comic Con into a con about comics which it hadn't been since its inception.
1: Yeah, and I think that's incredible because I think we almost forget the Comic-Cons are designed for the ones that actually write and create these incredible comics. And it's not yeah. easy to do that. I, I am impressed by anyone that can pull it off because I think it's an incredibly gift, You know, it's a gift that's just not recognized enough in my opinion. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and yeah. we've actually had comic book writers on the show this last couple of months. Because I've been reaching out, I want as many different writers to experience conversations and for for the listeners to hear the conversations too. So whether you're a murder mystery writer or a romance writer, or you're just a comic book writer, then you get the same equal opportunities on our show. And we have that same open conversation and open dialogue. And I think that's really good for everybody. And it's good for the for writers who are coming up and they're like, well, I can't really find what my niche is. I can't find what makes me excited. And then they get to hear these podcasts and then something in them clicks. And I've had quite a few people have written to me saying, I was in college studying writing and I just couldn't understand it. Heard your podcast with so-and-so and bang, it was like my aha moment. Speaking Isn't of it? aha moments, what's been yours with all these different projects?
2: Uh... A, a series of them. I mean, little backstory. I I didn't actually start out wanting to write novels and comics, which is what I do for a living now. Yeah. I started out wanting to write um, nonfiction. In fact, the mm-hmm. first, well, from college all the way up to the early two thousands, um, my side gig was always writing magazine feature articles and nonfiction books. Yeah. Uh, and I did thousands of 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 articles and and dozens of books, a lot of college textbooks and so on. My aha, aha moment for career direction came. Yeah. Uh, I was doing one nonfiction book called The Vampire Slayer's Field Guide to the Undead. Um, mm-hmm. which was a nonfiction book about supernatural predators, vampires, werewolves, and so on around the world and throughout history. Big, thick book. And I did tons and tons and tons of research on it. And... I was delighted by the fact that there are so many variations on things like vampires and werewolves and none of the folkloric versions of these monsters resemble the Hollywood versions at all. Yeah, Um, that
1: sounds about right. Yep.
2: So I started looking for fiction that um, used the folklore uh, versions of these monsters. I could find very little. This was around, you know, 23 years ago. Um, So I started thinking about you know maybe writing a book and my wife kind of nudged me into it so I took <laughs> took a, a a couple of years and just focused on writing my first novel which was a horror novel where people encounter vampires and werewolves but they're not the kind that you see in books and movies which means they don't know how to fight them yeah and there's a pretty high attrition rate as a result and I in writing that book I discovered a passion for fiction which I never knew I had it was it was kind of, It was very much like light just coming on all around me, like, this is what you should have been doing. Um, mm-hmm. That book, Ghost Road Blues, you know, I finished in 2004. I got an agent really quickly, and she yeah. sold it to the second publisher who looked at it. And then it, you know, was published in 2006, which was the start of my fiction career. And it was, you know, I was just happy that anyone was reading the darn thing. Yeah. And Turned out to be not only very popular, but got nominated for two Bram Stoker Awards, which is the horror wow. industry's kind yeah. Academy Awards. Funny thing about that the um, the two categories it was nominated in, uh, one was uh, Novel of the Year, which I lost to Stephen King. And if you're going to lose, lose to Stephen King.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um,
2: yep. And I only lost by two votes, too. Though he pointed out to me when I first met him that he has two sons who are voting members. So
1: oh, you uh, got you got screwed on that one. <laughs>
2: Um, uh, but no, he, he, he won for Lissy's Story, which is one of my favorite of his novels. So there's not only no shame, I got to, to be nominated alongside one of my favorite novels. That's um, right. and yeah. I got to get to know Stephen King and his family. Uh, the, the, the the category I was nominated for was best first novel. Wow. And I have come to realize that that's the more important award. In fact, several people told me that it doesn't feel like best first novel is as important as novel of the year, but as is pointed was pointed out it it's your opening statement about your potential and it won an award. Yeah. So it, as a validation moment, definitely an aha, you know, it's like, well, I think I found my calling. Yeah. So That that was 2006 and now it's 2023 and I'm writing my 50th novel.
1: Wow. Yeah. You're like me. You just never stopped with the writing. That's for yeah. sure.
2: And I started when I was 48 and I'm 65 now. So You know, I want to make, I want to write as much as I can for the rest of my life, however long it's going to be.
1: So you're Um, doing a Terry Pratchett then?
2: (laughs) Pretty much, you know, I'm knocking out a novel every three months. I'm editing uh, usually between two and four anthologies every year. I edit Weird Tales magazine every year. or Mm -hmm. I've been editing Weird Tales magazine for the last few years. And um, banged out 150 short stories. And also I got, you know, I've been writing for comics, uh, Marvel contacted me and then dark horse and IDW. And I, you know, I've been writing for a bunch of different companies. So I'm having the time of my life playing in my imagination. Um,
1: it's the best place to be. I can tell you
2: that. <laughs> uh, get, getting play, get, getting paid to essentially daydream all day long is, it's not the worst job description I've ever heard.
1: No, it's definitely not. because um when I got into the, to my side, I've just done my first fantasy novel, which was the scariest thing for me. I started out in contemporary and I did basically I, I did this whole thing set in the wrestling world because that's what I grew up in. That's what I knew. And oh. uh my oh. father's just hmm?
2: Did you say the wrestling world? Yeah. Okay. In- I know
1: it takes everyone but off the totally totally takes them by surprise. But yeah, I grew up with uh- wrestling and then I made friends with wrestlers and then I kind of became one of these sneaky little people that sort of sneaked my way into their world and became friends with them and before they knew it yes. they were like wait when did we become friends with her um she's never been in the ring with us she's never done anything and I'm, I'm like yep I've been here for years uh,
2: I actually knew two professional wrestlers uh, I interviewed them for my my new school newspaper when I was going to Temple University And then we became friends. Uh, Bruno San Martino, who was one of America's top wrestlers, and Andre the Giant. Wow. And two of the nicest, sweetest guys. And I got to sit on them rehearsing their fight for that night.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it is amazing when you see it. And funnily enough, you actually have a fan who's a wrestler. Oh. And his name is Raven.
2: Really? Yeah.
1: (laughs) He actually likes your stuff. He, he asked me to put me uh, put you two in contact, which I will oh, do. Sure. on I, the
2: show. I would love that. And in fact, my the, the editor who publishes my um, uh, Joe Ledger and fantasy, uh, my thrillers and fantasy, uh, he is a huge wrestling fan and has published a number of autobiographies of professional wrestlers.
1: Yeah, that's incredible. It's it's such a that's the thing that I was saying to everybody I work with you don't actually realize how far wrestling's creeped into the entertainment industry until you're sitting having conversations with people that are executives in some of the top companies and they turn around and go, oh my God, you're a fan of so-and-so? So am I? And you just see that that little kid come out of them. And that's one of the things that I do with an icebreaker. If I know an executive is a fan of a wrestler or a fan of a wrestling company. I will go in and I'll say did you see such and such and just to see them light up and get excited and it just breaks it so rather than it being that awkward stuffy you know business meeting it then yeah. becomes more fun and then becomes oh, more sure. joyous um, and I think that's why I get along with so many people in Hollywood because I, I show up and I'm in like a wrestling t-shirt and jeans or you know I'm not the typical writer that people meet and they're kind of they look at me funny like wait this girl's turning up in a wrestling shirt and jeans like who is this chick (laughs) so I always kind of played on that and I love it because I've got my co-author for years was Joey Legend and he's one of the most underrated wrestlers on the planet but he has the most gifts biggest gifts when it comes to training wrestlers he's trained some of the biggest names in the world and so I wrote with him for years and the arguments you would hear back and forth between us, it was like father and daughter just going back and forth all the time. And then I had the pleasure of working with some other wrestlers over the years and they say the same thing. It's like, I just glue together with them and they I understand them and then they end up understanding me and it's very kind of a, a bizarre relationship. But yeah, I mean, I never thought just being that little girl Growing yeah. up in a hospital, who was a fan of wrestling, would would be one of the big voices to change the perception of wrestling and just sort of that's, push it forward. That's I really think great. that's amazing.
2: Yeah, that's that's really fantastic.
1: Yeah. So what what is getting you excited this year in regards to what you're reading and what you're seeing out there in the market? What's what's got you excited? Your almost childish excitement moment.
2: Um that's a tough question for this year because I have read very little of what's new this year, ex- oh, unless okay. I'm reading for a cover quote, only because I've, I've been reading tons and tons of, uh, uh, when I read for pleasure, so I'll yeah. preface it way, it's generally, um, I, I tend to do series. So I was, I'm doing the Patrick O'Brien audiobook series, 21 very long novels. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Poleonic Wars, sea stories. Uh, I, I'm going through, after that, I'll be going through the uh, uh, Happen Leonard books by my buddy Joe Lansdale, you know, again. So I've I've been kind of focused on entertainment reading, except when I'm doing cover quotes, cover blurbs. Like, I just read a Tim Levin novel um, for cover blurb, and I love Tim's writing. He's a great guy. Um, But there, and there are, are, you know, a number of books that I have read, of course, you know, the new uh, Christopher Golden novel, the new... Um, stuff by um, John Sanford. And and basically a lot of my friends, well, all of my friends are writers. Yeah. Um, so if if either they want me to read something for a cover quote, or they just send me a, a an ARC, you know, an advanced reading copy for fun, uh, I, I tend to gobble that up. Um, so, and some of it is, you know, this business has a lot of non-disclosure agreements or holds on conversation because they haven't put together their marketing plan yeah so I, I understand
1: the, that really well yeah
2: <laughs> yeah so some of the the most exciting books I'm reading I can't actually talk about because you know the as soon as the publisher has my blurb intact and the other any other blurbs they're getting then they'll announce it to the public usually yeah in time with a cover reveal so they don't want me blabbing about it because they don't they don't want me going off on a talking point that isn't one of theirs
1: yeah, uh, no, I get that. I've I've been there too. Where they're like, "Nope, you can't talk about it," and then you're like yeah. sitting there wanting to explode with excitement. Yeah,
2: and and also, I'm reading a lot of. Uh, I'm I'm training myself to write for television uh, since yeah. several of the projects that were on on hold because of the of the writer strike and the you know the the strike are you know the strike will eventually end, and fingers uh,
1: crossed. Yep. <laughs>
2: It has to end in some way, and hopefully in a good way for the writers and the actors. Yeah, but, I agree. Uh, I'm likely to be in the writers' room for a couple of different projects. One of which is based on um, my stuff, and another is a prequel to a popular science fiction movie from about 20 years ago. Um, it's gonna be a prequel TV series, and I'm I had written a couple of novels that are set prior to the original movie. Notice yeah. I'm not reading the movie again. NDA. And yep. the publisher, uh, the uh, entertainment company had wanted to just put out those novels to kind of go into, uh, you know, align with the release of a of a new newly remastered version of the original film. And after I wrote the novels, then the writer from the original movie came and said, oh, I want to do a prequel TV show. And they said, well, we already have these novels. The screenwriter read the novels and said, hey, can I fold those some of those characters into my my show and they have by the way one of the star wars actors uh assigned to lead it and again i can't name names um yeah
1: it's horrible isn't
2: it so yeah it's this is what 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 panels are like when we have to talk about this sort of stuff but in case if the show goes forward which it looks likely i will be one of the writers um not a full not full time in the writers room because i i have my novel business and that's keeping me quite busy but you know maybe write an episode or two especially those that focus on my characters and that will be fun and that will probably get me into the writers room and so uh, writers union so um
1: i know that feeling yeah i'm sitting on the know. same boat as you thinking i'm gonna be in there soon and this is gonna be weird and you know
2: well it's 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 one of the things where it's not like i have a burning desire to be in the writers union i i would like to write for television but not at the expense of me writing novels. Novels are, are my are my love right now. So
1: Yeah. No, I well,
2: get I'll it. A, yeah, I'll take a comic book project before like I've been offered a couple of things for for film, but yeah. they weren't in my my area of preference. I won't I won't say anything bad about them, but one one horror uh movie in what they call the torture porn um genre Oh jeez. You know, yeah uh, it's not actual sexual porn it's just where it's self-indulgent violence yeah no i knew reboot. what you were
1: on about the yeah, they, they asked, author i know all of the details yeah. yep
2: so they they asked me to write a script to uh reboot the series and they offered me really nice money but i i i don't like that kind of film so no. it would be i and I, I don't want to do something just as a cash grab you know exactly
1: so. you need to be passionate about it and that's what i say to everyone don't always look at the numbers on the page. It's about what you feel passionate about. It's like I could go and work for some big production company if I want to do, but it's not what's passionate for me. I created Forever Pixie Production simply because I want to write and produce stuff that I'm excited about and that I love. And right. I think getting to share it with somebody like you is absolutely incredible. Well, you survived the Book and Life podcast. We didn't break any rules. We didn't go over time. We didn't do any of the crazy crap that we normally do. So, yeah, it's been, and I got to get you back because you and I are going to continue talking for sure, because I know that we're going to have a lot of exciting conversations.
2: Yeah. And if we can do that, if we do it after the strike, there's a lot of stuff that I alluded to that I can, I can actually talk well, about.
1: Yeah, the- we can actually talk about it. And maybe, uh maybe you never know. Maybe there'll be something that we end up working on together in the future.
2: But there, actually, there's one thing I just, I just wanted to kind of plug a little bit. Um, yeah. Got, go for it. Uh, the new the the most recent of the black panther films black panther wakanda forever yeah uh about 40 percent of that film was actually based on my comics from 2009 and 10 I yeah was the i one heard that the, yeah i put shuri in the armor i i put her up against namor yeah um i created anika uh was one of the characters michael colo plays her in the movie and i created the midnight angels and it was my son and i got to go to the premiere and everything It was awesome but i love that movie and yeah. uh I, it I, was I, an I, amazing I, movie Yeah, people should see it because they did a beautiful tribute to to Chadwick Boseman, too, who was a great guy.
1: I thought it was so sad the way that that ended for him, because he really was a talent and that gift was taken far too soon for us.
2: Yeah. And and yet think about the way he died. Nobody knew he was sick. He was dying of cancer and yet doing those movies and still visiting cancer hospitals for kids and being the leader uh, among his his fellow actors. That's that's heroism you know bordering on nobility he was his, yeah. his he was such a good human being as well as an extraordinary talent and uh definitely gone too soon but he left such an incredible mark that i know I, I among my actor friends a lot of them say that you know it's it's inspirational to make them want to aspire higher in not only what they do on film but what they do you know when the camera's not rolling
1: exactly and you know somebody that jumps out at me when you say that is Brody king who was Brody Lee King, who was an incredible guy. And you think of Bray Wyatt, who just recently passed away, another great creative talent that just never got to see their full potential. And Brody, he wrestled while he was sick and while he was suffering. And he led that locker room despite what he was going and He didn't want people to know he was ill. So I have a great respect for anybody. I myself, I've had arthritis for 32 years. And there's never been a day where I'm not aware of the uphill battle I have to fight for that, you know, that condition. But I still yeah. go because I I look back and I say, well, if I can inspire half a dozen people like myself to fight it and to to live their dreams and have the best life possible, then I've done my job. I've done what I was put here to do. And yeah. that's what I say on the show. Follow your dreams. It doesn't matter what you're against. You can do it. It's It's not the end of everything absolutely yeah well it's been it's been an honor to have you on and uh i look forward to keeping in touch with you and talking again to you soon
2: all right it's been great to be here it was fun very that, that time just evaporated so that that's a sign of a, a fun conversation and i would love exactly. to come back. so and i've been listening to some of your past uh interviews and